Well, I'm just gonna put this over on the side, so don't pay no attention to it. Just it's just recording, so. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. I think I've met most of you. Glad to be able to be here this morning. And it was interesting. I was uh, trying to decide what to present this morning, and the um, I have a couple of standby lessons that I have in case somebody calls on you. That you're not expecting, but uh, I was led a little different direction this morning. I was thinking about last night, like, okay, this is what I'm going to do, and then this morning, it kind of developed a little bit different direction. I, oh, it was okay, and then it became clear. <clears throat> Excuse me, after the uh, Sunday school lesson, because this is going to fit right in. So I mm -hmm. can only. <laughs> I can only bless the Lord. Amen. And uh, He knows. So I'm I'm humbled this morning by the ability to be able to be here with you and and uh, be able to present this. And I hope everything goes. Uh, I preached about three lessons this morning at between five and eight o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> I usually don't write anything down. I, I carry it by memory. Sometimes I write a few verses, but um, so we'll, uh, we'll see how this goes this morning. I'd like to call your attention to begin with this morning to Matthew, the 22nd chapter. <clears throat> A lot of parables were given and examples, and Jesus was asked by the apostles, why do you speak to them in parables? He says, because it's given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. It's not given to them. It's given to you to know. And some of them, they still didn't understand. Didn't really come out very clear. So they need a little bit more explanation. I, I think of the, uh, this wasn't even a parable. It was just the statement that Jesus said to beware of the, the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they said, well, he's saying that because we haven't eaten yet. And he says, don't you remember, and it, to, when we read it, it seems like it was just yesterday, but uh, he said, don't you remember the 5,000, I fed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish, and 4,000 people with just a little bit more than that, and all the leftovers. Why are you worried about what you're going to eat? That's, you should know that's not what I'm talking about. Oh, okay, we get it. <clears throat> How many times do we need to be kind of thumped in the head and said, aren't you thinking about what I was trying to get across to you? <clears throat> and sometimes I, you know. Well, the other thing I wanted to say too is when I go to places that I've never met anybody before and you kind of think, well, I'm going to give them this powerful message of things that uh, they probably have never heard of and then they think, my goodness, these people are all, not all of you, of course, but, but many of you are older than me and you've been in the Lord maybe longer than I have, so how can I say you've never heard these things? But I'm always reminded when people come our way, and even our own pastor, you know, he's preaching things I've heard all my life, and then he says something. Yeah, 
And I thought, you know, maybe I knew it already, but it just, I hadn't thought about that for a long time. Now suddenly it's clear. It's, you know, and it's maybe a message that I've been trying to figure out what's going on in my life. What's, I'm struggling with this problem. How am I going to get through this problem? And, and he says something that's, well, of course. I knew that, but I needed somebody to tell me, somebody to say it to me. So I don't suppose I'm going to tell you anything that you haven't heard before today, but uh, maybe hopefully God will bless you. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 22, Jesus answered and spoke again unto them by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king which made a marriage for his son. And he sent forth uh, servants to call those that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. And he set forth other servants, saying, Tell them what you're bidden. Behold, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. Come to the marriage. But they made light of it and went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnant, the rest of them, took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. <clears throat> what kind of a response would that be when the king... The king sends a messenger to you and you treat him terrible. It says entreated. Entreated usually means that they respond, ask him questions or abrasive to them, but they killed him. What kind of response do you think the king is going to have when you killed his messengers? Well, he said this, Jesus obviously said this, having to do with the history of the Jews, what they've done when the messengers that he had sent, how they responded to him. Ladies and gentlemen, you need to repent. Who are you to tell me I need to repent? Get out of here. <clears throat> so this is what they needed to hear. It wasn't what they, want, <coughs> what they wanted to hear and didn't, uh, didn't enjoy it, I'm sure, but they made light of it. Verse 5 says they made light of it, and they went their ways, one to his farm and another to his merchandise. People make light of God's word. Those people? Where's, where's the population around here? <clears throat> or these people? I always, when I, I discovered years ago, I need to look at the Bible talking about me. It's, it, you know, I started teaching Sunday school lessons and so on. I started, I was thinking about those terrible Jews, those bad people. And then I thought about, hey, some of that can apply to me. So when I look in the, in the Bible, I don't, I'm not looking at the bad people, those bad people. I'm looking at God's people that need to be corrected. And when do we not need correction? I, you know, I, I would love to tell you today that I'm living my life perfectly just as God wants me to live it and everything is going right. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to be that bold to tell you that. I know there's, there's uh, things that I need to learn. I've been serving the Lord for many years, but there's still things I need to learn. And I, when I see things in the Bible, I'm reminded, and it's, you know, it's a correcting tool. Where you, <clears throat> I don't know, I'm not a saver, but I know enough about it that uh, you get out there on the open ocean and you don't sail in a straight line because the wind will take you this way or that way. Even when you're driving down the road, you're driving on a straight road. We've got a steering wheel that kind of goes like this. You know, you've got to keep correcting all the time, keep correcting. 
So <clears throat> that's the way our lives are. We're always correcting. We've got to keep to, uh, okay, I did this wrong. i got to correct and go back the other way. So anyway, that's what I'm trying to get us to see now. I hope none of us are treating God's word despitefully. <clears throat> but despitefully means, or, or uh, despising just means to think little of. And so maybe there's some, some scriptures that we get a little bit loose on. We, you know, that one's really not that important to me right now. And then we've got to be reminded this is God's word, and none of, we can't say any of it is not important. And so we can't treat each other despitefully. We can't treat God's word despitefully. You talked about God messengers, God's messengers. Angels are God's messengers. Anybody else God's messengers? This little one right here is God's messenger. Who can't we learn from? <clears throat> so when the king heard of it, verse 7, when the king heard he was very wroth or angry, Somebody, a pastor, was describing the difference between anger and wrath. And anger is an emotion. You get angry with a situation. I get very angry sometimes driving on the highway. People just, why did you do that? Why did you know? And, and road rage. But road rage is different. It's when we do something about it. So I might, and I, I hope I never do this, but might get angry sometime and tailgate somebody for a while. Or uh, then, but if we get, if wrath starts coming, we might pull them over, force them off the road, and maybe hit them or yell at them or do something else stupid that uh, is just no good. So that's not my job. But God does have wrath, doesn't he? And sometimes he does things because we've done things that we shouldn't do. How many parents out there have disciplined their children because, well, they got angry. So we never get angry. I just, I just discipline my children just out of love. Uh, I'm sorry, I've gotten angry at my children. And I discipline out of love. But you need, there's some anger that goes along with that. God gets angry with his people sometimes. Yeah. <clears throat> this king got angry. And he was angry to the point that he was going to do something about it. And he sent his armies out, and they destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. God deals with that sometimes. So he told his servants, he said, the wedding is ready, but those which were bidden were not worthy. Go, therefore, into the highways. Go out of the road, and as many as you find, bid them to the marriage. Invite them in. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good, and the wedding was furnished with guests. Now, <clears throat> I remember when I got married, there were a lot of people at our, at our wedding, and I didn't know most of them. And there were some bad people and some good people. Now, I, I say bad people, I don't... I knew some of the people were members of the church and some of the people were there because they knew my wife and uh, they were not church members and, and some of them had some questionable activities in their lives but they were they were friends with my wife and we got married in Hawaii so I, I grew up in Alaska and she grew up in Hawaii so uh, I had uh, three or four friends there and she had a lot more 
And I, and I say bad and good, so I really don't know. I'm, I'm just saying that there are uh, a whole lot of people there. But what I'm, the point I'm trying to get across is, would you invite bad people to your wedding? <clears throat> they invited whoever was out there. They were just told to go and invite whoever you can find. Uh, Wednesday night we attended the church in Arvada, and Brother Spellman brought a message about... Uh, and from James, the second chapter, about, uh, no, I can't even think what I want to say. <clears throat> anyway, not, not preferring one person over another. Um, preference, having preference. Because which one of us, when we came to the Lord, were not a bad person? Well, I was a young, I was a teenager, and I wasn't really a bad teenager, but I was a sinner. I had done things that were wrong, and so I need to be forgiven. <clears throat> the guy who killed somebody or who, who did other terrible things, who needs the Lord, who gives his life totally to the Lord, he's not any worse off than I was, or any worse than I was. He's still a sinner, and I'm still a sinner, and we both need to be saved. We both had sins they needed to be taken care of. So there, isn't, there shouldn't be any preference so that's what was going on here. He told them to invite everybody. Just bring in everybody you can bring in. So they came. Those servants went out, in verse 10 again, those servants went out into the highways and gathered together. All these minis they found, both bad and good, and the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which didn't have on a wedding garment. And he said to him, Friend, how did you come in here not having a wedding garment? He was speechless. Then the king said to the servants, Bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. He only mentions one that got cast out, but I wonder if there were others that got cast out because he said many are called, but few are chosen. Now, <clears throat> I thought about that years ago when I first was uh, teaching this, and I wondered about if you went out and you just gathered everybody in the road, now, who do you suppose was in the road that they gathered? The people that he invited are, are who, who, was, who were the people who were originally invited? He sent forth his servants to call those that were bidden to the wedding and they would not come. <clears throat> if it's a king, you ever, you've been, all of you have been around here for a little while, and you've seen the, the things coming over from England and maybe some others. Uh, Grace Kelly married uh, Prince Rainier of Monaco. Charles married Diana. William married Kate and so on and so on. There was a big to-do about these weddings in particular. And the pictures that I saw of those weddings, I didn't see anybody in jeans and t-shirts at the wedding. They all had some pretty nice clothes. So when you go to the king's son's wedding, you better be dressed up, right? Do we need to be always dressed up to do the Lord's work? We do. But I'm not talking about a suit and a tie. I'm talking about being dressed in righteousness, being clothed in righteousness. We need to be presented uh, we need to be well presented 
to meet God, dressed in righteousness. He said, how did you come in here not having a wedding garment? <clears throat> so again, if you go out, you live in the farm community out here, and you tell the farmers, come on in, come on in, and they come in, are they going to be well-dressed when they come in, if you just call them in off the road? So why would he be expecting this person to have, why would he be expecting this person to have a wedding garment on? You ever think about that? Why did he cast this person out for not having a wedding garment on? Because obviously, brother, he provided the wedding garment. There was provisions for them to get dressed before they came into the wedding. When we come to the Lord, we're not ready. When I first accepted the Lord as my Savior, when I was first baptized, I was not ready. I need to be clothed. I need to get the right clothing on. I'm probably still not ready. I still got some more things to put on. Well, how are we supposed to be clothed? What are we supposed to do? Let's look over at First uh, Corinthians, Second Corinthians. I'm sorry, Second Corinthians, the fifth chapter. This may go a long time, and it may go very short. I'm not sure right now. First Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5th chapter says, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved we have a building of God a house not made with hands eternal in the heavens for in this we groan earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven if so be that being clothed we shall not be found naked you suppose there's going to be people standing before the Lord naked Naked and nude are two different things, right? Naked means you just you're covered that you're not you don't have the right clothes on. You're not presentable for public to be in the public. So people are gonna be before the Lord and he's gonna look at them and say, Where's your stuff? Let's look over at first Corinthians in the third chapter. says uh, let's see where should we start here talking about strife talking about people arguing and having uh, cliques in the church you know they were, I'm, I'm a follower of this person or I'm a follower of that person he says you need to be followers of Christ every one of you don't worry if it was Peter who first led you to the Lord or Paul who first led you to the Lord or you, you did your studying under Apollos none of that matters the Lord is the one that you need to be following he says in verse 6, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God is the one who gave the increase. So then neither is he that plants anything, neither is he that waters, but God who gives the increase. Now the one the planting and the one watering are one. Every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry. You are God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given me as the wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another is built on it. But let every man take heed how he builds thereupon. This is only for tithing. Nobody else needs to listen to this. 
long. <laughs> you, know, so you, you talked about the pastoral epistles this morning. Uh, are those letters only written to preachers? That's for all of us. Every one of us need to learn from those things. Pastors are people who are examples. There's to set the example and to teach, but every one of us need to follow those things. <clears throat> Let's see where they. So we need every man needs needs to take heed how he builds on the foundation that's been laid for us, because there is no other foundation that can be laid than that the one that is laid is which is Christ Jesus. Now, if any man builds on this foundation, gold or silver or precious stone or wood or hay or stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest or be shown of what kind it is. It shall, for the day shall declare it, because it's going to be revealed by fire. Are we going to have to go through physical fire? We're going to have to go through trials. We're going to have to go through difficulties. What have you been laying? What kind of foundation have you been laying? I was so blessed. We, my wife mentioned Sister Olivia Champagne this morning. <clears throat> she found out she had cancer, and her attitude about it was just amazing. He says, if the Lord wants me to die, I'll die. If the Lord wants me to live, he'll give me strength to, to go through all of this. And her attitude as she goes through each treatment, she's gone through five chemotherapy treatments, she's got one more. I don't like to brag about people, but she has been such a good example. I just I want to bring that out because it's a good example. She's had some rough times, but... She's just kept going. She says, I can stay home and mope, or I can do something. So as she has the strength to do it, she does whatever. She, she plays the piano for us, and she's only missed uh, a few Wednesdays. And other than that, she's always there in service. She comes and she cleans the church building. But what are you doing here? She says, I feel good enough. I can, you know, I'm not totally 100%, but I'm good enough I can come and do this. I just, how amazing. Because that attitude is there, it's she's built a good foundation, so that what's being revealed is who she is within the foundation she's built. The, the wood and the hand and stubble, the things that are going to burn up, the things that make me who I think I am. I make myself feel. I want to appear good before you. I want to see feel like I'm a good person, and you see me and you think, oh, what a good speaker he is, what a nice person he is, and so on. And then when the Time gets going, the rough times get going, all that melts away because I'm not a really nice person. I'm just a, I'm complaining like everybody else does. That's no good. We've got to have gold. We've got to have precious stone. We've got to have silver given to us. How? By God through his Holy Spirit. That's what we need to have. And, and I'm not turning there right now, but in Revelation, the third chapter, to the Laodicean church, the Lord told them, he said, you think you're doing well, but you're not. He said, I counsel of you to buy of me gold that's been tried in the fire. You think you're rich, you're not rich. Get, to get the gold that's been tried in the fire that's going to stand. Get the salve that I can give you to mend your wounds and so on. He goes on to tell them what you've got is not good enough. Because why? because it's my own righteousness. It's the good things that I have done on my own, and what good is that? Isaiah says that's as filthy rags. Your, your, your righteousness is like filthy rags. You have to have God's righteousness. It's got to be His righteousness. So all the good that you may be doing, if it's on your own, 
it doesn't amount to anything. Not everyone that says to me, said in the Sermon on the Mount, toward the end of the Sermon on the Mountains, in the 7th chapter of Matthew, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Because people are going to come, they're going to say, didn't we, but we, we did this in your name, we did that in your name, we cast out devils, we preached. And you know, I'll tell them, you worker of iniquity, depart from me, I never knew you. What a sad thing to think about. But the point I'm getting to, to is this, that we need to have God's righteousness. We need to be doing everything that we do. How? You read about David. David went to the Lord. He, or David told, talking to Nathan, he said, I want to build God a house. And Nathan said, that's a good thing. Do it. Because I know God is with you. I know anything you want to do, God is going to be with you. Nathan didn't get out the door. The Lord told him, go back and tell David no. But David was one who always asked the Lord. He asked the Lord, when he went, we're going into battle, should I go, go into battle? He said, don't go or don't go or whatever it was. <clears throat> the Lord came, t told Nathan, tell him, don't build the house. But tell him that I am going to build a house. And you already read that, I won't go into that. <clears throat> but, of course, David was just overwhelmed by such a response. But the point I'm getting to is righteous as David was, he needed to do what the Lord wanted him to do. A man after God's own heart, he needed to do what the Lord wanted him to do, not just what he wanted to do. We think building a house, building a church would be a wonderful thing. Yeah. Not for David. No, I don't want you to build this temple. You're not the right man to do it. Okay. So... All anything that I might want to do that I think is a good thing to do, I need to go to the Lord and make sure that that's the right thing to do. <clears throat> now, since we're so close here, let's go into chapter 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. This is what I think is so special. Wonderful. Starting in verse 4, he says, I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given to you by Jesus Christ that in everything... Have you ever studied the book of 1 Corinthians? People in Corinth were just wonderful people, weren't they? You get over to chapter 15, and he says that Jesus has risen from the dead. I've seen him. Other people have seen him. They've been seen by at least 500 of you. You know that Jesus rose from the dead. Then why are there some among you that say there is no resurrection? Can you imagine church members that don't believe in the resurrection? But some of the people in Corinth did not believe in the resurrection. But he says here, as he introduces this letter, I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ that in everything you are enriched by him in all utterance and in all knowledge even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. Wait a minute, if they're so enriched, then why do they have all these problems? You're going to have potluck here in a little bit, aren't you? Okay. If you go in there, and there's, I, I can see there's food in there. If you go in there and you don't take any food, are you going to get full? 
thought it would do any good, is it? You've got to take it. You've got to take what God has given to you and do something with it. God saved you from hell. God saved you for something else, for his kingdom. But I don't really want to be in the kingdom. I'm satisfied with, there's a song that's written, written that <clears throat> I'm just on cabin, outside of where cabin was. He said, I am building a mansion for you. No, God, I don't want a mansion. Excuse me? Did you just say, no, God? That's, you're treading on dangerous ground. Don't ever tell God no. If David had told God when Nathan came to him and said, God is going to build you a house, if he'd have told God no, what do you suppose would have happened? David wouldn't have been king much longer. And he wouldn't have had a house. He wouldn't have had all that this is promised. It was promised to him. We can't tell God no. We can't go against him. Have you ever told God no? I'm sad to say I have. And I, I regret it every day. But it's um, something that we need to remember because this, what I'm trying to get to, I'm getting off the subject a little bit. Verse 7 says, so that you come behind in nothing, no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you need any gifts to get along, to get to the kingdom of God? We're not talking about talking, uh, speaking in tongues or laying on hands, but you have. Gifts are available or afforded to the church, to God's people. We know there's faith, there's love, and there's hope that are mentioned in the 13th chapter. But there's other gifts. This one's been given a gift to preach to you. That's not Brother Ruff has been. There's other gifts. You've been given a gift. You don't think it's all you've got at all, but you've been given a gift to lead singing. <clears throat> what other gifts might be out there that we have? <clears throat> I've tried public speaking, and I don't do very well public speaking a lot of times, but I've done well preaching and teaching in church. So God has given me. That's a gift that God has given me. And I, believe me, I don't uh, slight that a little bit because I know every time I get up to preach, just like today, and I get up and uh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it. <clears throat> but God gives it. God gives the speech. God gives the words. and It makes it flow. And people sometimes, and I don't, I don't say this mostly at all, but people sometimes go out and say, you know, that was really good, whatever, whatever the case might be. And I just have to... That was God. It was all God that did it. And I just, whatever happened there, it was God that did it. Because he's the one who gives us what we need. That's the point I'm getting to. He has, given, he has provided everything that you need. David went out and he didn't, wasn't able to build the temple, but he, he got all the supplies together because God made it possible for him. Talking about Noah building the ark. And, and getting the animals together. How do you do that? How do you get every animal in the world into one location so that you can get them in this container so they're going to be saved. That's impossible. 
That is impossible to do. Because or just as God said, or just as Jesus said to the people who asked him, the rich man came to Jesus and said, well, uh, ask him about being in the kingdom of heaven. He told him you need to give to the Lord. And, and as he was going away, very sorrowful, Jesus said, how hardly shall a rich man enter the kingdom of heaven? I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And they were astonished above measure, astounded. They just could not believe what they heard. It was just, what? Well, then, who can be saved? He said, with men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So, how could he get all the animals into the ark? With God, all things are possible. So God made it happen. Noah, you suppose Noah went on a worldwide safari and gathered everything in? I don't think so. I think God brought him to him. Because God made it happen. God can make this church prosper. God can make you or me have the ability to do whatever it is that needs to be done. It's God's grace that does it. It's God's righteousness, though, that we need to have. We need to have, be clothed with his righteousness. We talked a little bit about being clothed upon. Before we continue that thought, I want to go into 2 Corinthians again, this time in chapter 8. That goes along with this passage that we read here in chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians. <clears throat> Excuse me. He talks about tithing here, but this can be applied, I think, in any aspect. Mm, let's see where I want to start here. I'll give you the whole chapter, but I don't want to take all that time. I'll just start in verse 12. He says, For if there first be a willing mind, it is accepted according to the man has, and not according to the has not. In other words, you're talking about he, they were going to be getting money together for the uh, church of Jerusalem. So they were getting an offering together, and he said, but I want, I want every one of you to be giving to this, but don't be worried about the fact that you don't have enough. You don't have as much to give. This person here makes $100,000 a year. This person makes $500,000 a year. I only make $30,000 a year. I cannot give what they give. You don't worry about that. Just give what you can give. Because if there's, a first, if there's first a willing mind, it is accepted according to the man has and not according to what he doesn't have. Because I don't mean that other men should be eased and you'd be burdened, but by an equality that now at this time, your abundance may be a supply for their want. And that their abundance also may be a supply for your want, that there may be an equality. As it is written, he that had gathered much had nothing left over, and he that he had gathered little had no lack. You may know that's having to do with the manna in the wilderness. He said, go out and gather what you need. When they all, everybody had just what they needed. The people that gathered a whole lot didn't have a whole lot left over, but the people that gathered just a little bit, they had the supply for their household. And that's the way God works. He supplies what we need. He supplies what we need to have. <coughs> So now let's go over to uh, Revelation, the third chapter.
course, <clears throat> the other, the uh, the Odyssean church is mentioned in this third chapter, but that's not what we're looking at here. Uh, I've lost my verse that I was looking at. I'm sorry. It happens to me sometimes when I don't write it down. but he does talk here about the righteousness he read he talked about Ephesians I'll just go over to Ephesians then instead in chapter 4 of Ephesians this is some talking about the gifts that he gives uh, verse 11 says he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for what purpose? for the perfecting or equipping of the saints. I discovered when I read this years ago when I was teaching on it, I'm not perfect by myself. You know what I need? I need other church members. He's talking to a church here. He's saying that you are being able to be made perfect as a church to come to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Am I ever going to be like Jesus on my own? Well, I hope that by the grace he gives me that when I stand before him, I'll stand complete. But to do that, I need to be, as uh, I love that what you said earlier today about <clears throat> we're parts. We're parts of the body. I am not the body of Christ. I am a part of the body of Christ. And sometimes, when you lose it, we hate losing members, don't we? But it happens sometimes. And we've had some, in our church, I know we've had some people that were, that you counted on, that they were there, they were uh, just important people in the assembly, and they decided not to come back anymore. And how does that hurt? Some people lose a finger. Some people lose arms, legs. What do they need to do? They just die. No, that's not true. What do they do? They compensate. They go on. I don't have a leg. I'm missing one of my legs, but I'll, I'll do the best I can and keep going on without. Wonderful thing about the church, though, the Lord provides others and so we're able to go on we don't have as many people in our church as we used to we don't have as many people as we'd like to have but God has allowed us to go on but what do we need to do so that we can grow so that we can continue on we need to apply ourselves with the abilities that he's given to us and then he'll provide he'll provide the things that we need but the scripture says that in the last days, the love of many is going to wax cold. And people, there, there is going to be a falling away. So our body, our church bodies are going to get smaller and smaller. Because so many people are waxing cold. Because 
of tribulation, because of difficulties, because of trials. It's up to you and me, those of us that are here, to stand fast, regardless of what happens, so that the church can perpetuate until it's coming. But we have to stand fast, no matter what's going on around us. And God will give you the grace to do it. I think of people when I read about and the martyrs that have been before us, people who have been killed for the name of Jesus. And, you know, Paul, well, I say Paul had been, but I've been taught many years that Paul wrote the book of Hebrews, and I agree with what you said. It could have been, uh, it may not have been Paul, probably wasn't Paul. It probably, uh, there's a suggestion that, that uh, Paul originally wrote it and somebody else translated it and translated it back. And so, whatever, I don't know that case of that. Um, but anyway, I digress from what I'm saying. Uh, the writer of Hebrews wrote about many of the martyrs who were killed in the name of the Lord. And Jesus talked about that in the 23rd chapter of Matthew and so on. So they didn't always survive, but they kept on by the grace of God. They were faithful to the end by the grace of God. May it be that you and I remain faithful through the grace of God, no matter what comes our way. We know of people that have, uh, you know, people that have cancer, dealing with cancer. Some people survive cancer, some people die from cancer. Other diseases, COVID is rampant. Some people survive COVID, some people die from it. Whatever the case may be, how do we handle it? We keep our faith in the Lord. If it's his will for us to end today or whatever day it is, he's got a reason. It's his, it's his doing. You know, we lost a child uh, 37 years ago. How hard is that? How hard is it to lose a child? If our child is an infant, some people that I know have lost adult children. That's so hard to go through. But unless they did something foolish themselves or somebody did something to them, or even in that case, God is controlling the whole situation. And we need to remember that. We need to be thinking of God. Now, my initial lesson that I was going to bring is from Colossians. And so I'm going to close with that this morning. I'll call your attention to Colossians, the third chapter. He starts his chapter off in chapter 3 with if. <clears throat> if this is true, are you telling me that there may be people in the church who are not risen with Christ? Well, I was baptized, and I was put in the water, and I came out as risen with Christ in that fashion. But have I committed myself to him? Have I really died to sin? So if you have, if you died to sin... If you're risen with Christ, then seek the things that are above where Christ is, pointed out this morning, sitting on the right hand of God. Christ is there with God. When you, we don't, I don't see him. Stephen did though, didn't he? Stephen saw Jesus. Where was Jesus when Stephen saw him? Sitting on the right hand of God? No, he was standing. You ever think about that? 
When Stephen was stoned for the name of the Lord, Jesus was standing. Anyway, he's there at the right hand of God. So set your affections, your desires up there. I want a better job. I need a new car. All these are things that are important to us. They're, they're things that, that, you know, maybe I don't need a car, but it sure makes things a whole lot easier to have a, a vehicle that's running properly and so on. Uh, when people are starting out a new family, they have one child, they have two or three children. The house that they had when they got married is not big enough. I need a new house. And so we're things that we need in this world. I've got a job. I need to do a good job. But that's not my most important thing that I have to be concerned about. The most important thing that I need to be concerned about is the kingdom of God and being able to be fit for the kingdom of God. The job that I need to do, I need to do well is secondary. Getting married, I want to get married. Um, of course, I've been married for a long time, but the only person who wants to get married. That's secondary. That is in the will of God. You do that in the will of God. All these other things that we need to do in this world, with the life that we need to live, is and it needs to be done in the will of God. So our focus needs to be on the kingdom of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. Because why? Because you're not a part of this earth anymore. You're risen with Christ. You are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. And Christ who is our life shall appear. Brother Champagne likes to point this out a lot of times. Christ isn't one of our lives. I have a Christian life, I have a work life, and I have my social life. That's not what this says. Christ is your life. That's it. No matter what else happens, Christ is your life. Is it okay to have a social life? In the will of God, yeah. But Christ is our life, so that's what it's all focused on. I can't live my social life outside of God. So that doesn't come, it's not one or the other. It's, so we need to mortify, I'm going to skip down through this part. We need to get rid of the, the sinful things that are, I'm going to point this out, that are your members. Not talking about your finger, not talking about your eye, but did you know that when you commit fornication, that is your member, kill it. You've got to kill it. And he mentions many other things here. They've got to be, those members have to be killed. When you cut a finger off, one of the members that was, uh, was a member of our church, I was a member of church in Hawaii, he cut his finger off several years ago. I wasn't there to see it, but I heard about it, and it took him a long time when he went to the hospital to get treated. And so he was sitting there waiting to be treated with the pain that went, was associated with cutting off with his finger being missing. He was just in agony for a long time. It hurts to have a member cut off. These things are, are a part of our lives. Somebody says, you need to correct this. Well, that's just who I am. No, you need to not be that person anymore. This is, <clears throat> again, going back to what we heard about Wednesday night, you know, talking about um, judging people. First, you, when you first see somebody, you make a judgment. 
they may have a different skin color, so you, you make a, a judgment based on that. They have a limp, you make a judgment based on that. It's automatic, we make judgments. Maybe a good judgment, maybe a bad judgment, but we make judgments. Maybe we don't stick with that judgment. I see a, a person with a different skin color, I say, oh, it's different. And then you go and you meet them, you greet them, they're a nice person, you get along, everything's, everything's fine after that. Um, or whatever else the case may be. That's an old person, they don't know the things that younger people know technologically, so they're kind of backward. Well, it may not be true. <clears throat> whatever, and you know, I'm just pointing out certain things that we do subconsciously. It's human nature. But what I like to point out, what I try to point out quite often is human nature is not the nature we are supposed to be sticking with. We're supposed to put on the new man, as he goes on to say here. I won't go any further on this. There's so much here, except I just want to do, I just want to point out this one thing in verse 17. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Giving thanks by Jesus. So when you end your prayer, how do we end our prayers? Jesus and pray amen. Are you really saying it in Jesus' name? Are you really praying in the name of Jesus? Remember the vagabond Jews in the book of Acts that wanted to do the things that Paul did. And so they went and they found a man that had demons in him. And he said, they said, we adjure you by this Jesus who Paul preaches. Come out of him. And he said, demon said, I know Jesus and I know Paul, but I don't know you. And he beat him and he kicked him out of the house. You talked about power, authority. We have to have, when we do the things that we do, we have to have the authority that Jesus gave to the church. All power in heaven and earth is given to me. All authority is given to me. So you go and teach all nations making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. And I'll be with you until you retire at 65. Now we know that's not true, is it? Throughout all ages, world without end. Thank you for your attention. Thank you for being a church here. I do want to take the time while I'm standing here to invite you. It's not. Everything's not quite official yet, but we're waiting to find out about travel. Uh, if, depending on what happens with uh, the airlines and COVID and so on, but uh, we are hopefully planning a fellowship meeting for next May. So I'd like to invite all of you that are able to come. Yeah. Brother, thank you. Again.